Well, we've been doing a series uh, Christmas at the movies, and this was rated by you, our congregation, as well as rated by a lot of others as one of the uh, four best Christmas movies. And what I think is so interesting is they they talk about whether a mother can forget their children, and it says in Isaiah forty nine fifteen, can a mother forget the infant at her breast, walk away from the baby she bore. And apparently so, because if you get paid enough, not only did the mother on Home Alone do this once, but in Home Alone 2, she did it again. So maybe that's the case. But um, as 2020 comes to an end, I think we can all agree uh, this has been one of those difficult, interesting years. And it's made me wonder, is God in heaven somewhere, just like you see on that plane, rubbing his chin in a conversation and wondering, looking at Jesus, did we forget something this year? And uh, you may have thought that 2020 is really an interesting year because uh, if you haven't felt disconnected or isolated or in some ways alone, um, I, I tell you, that has been kind of a, a pretty predominant feeling. And if you haven't felt that way, I kind of want to be you. Uh, but uh, as we look at this year, I, I look at and I remember as I walk down the streets and, and I see someone coming to the master's time, so I just want to see the smile behind that, right? Or you're in the grocery store. I had this happen and I saw someone from our congregation. I hadn't seen them for a while and I wanted just to go up and hug them and almost did, you know, is that kind of response. <laughs> or maybe you've been... You've been kind of wishing for just some unhindered opportunities to be with someone other than your family um, in this time. And you've experienced some of that disconnection and isolation. And like Home Alone, this sense of maybe feeling forgotten or really wondering, do my parents or do, does my father care about me? Am I really that valuable in his eyes? Do I matter? Uh, does he forget? What's interesting is you read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. You may not have realized it, but Mary and Joseph have a kind of COVID Christmas of sorts. I don't know if you've looked at it very closely, but in Luke chapter 2, this story, throughout it, there will be times as you read, the, especially the first seven verses of the story of the birth of Christ, you, you have to look at it and say, I wonder if Mary and Joseph were thinking, God, where are you? Um, do you care about me? There's times I think they felt so isolated and alone. Uh, it says in Luke chapter 2, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And we read that and we've heard that again and again, but I don't know if we really understand 
what may have been going on in their own lives at that time. You can imagine, here is Joseph. He is working, and, and in that day, news would spread. They didn't have TVs. They didn't have Twitter accounts or news sources like that. They would go word, you know, mouth to mouth. And he's at work one day, and he hears, you know, Caesar Augustus has, has issued a decree. They, there's going to be a census. He wants to count everybody. Here's the most powerful person in the entire world, Caesar Augustus. And selfishly, he wants to upset everybody's life, have them move and go and, and get back to their ancestral town, which for some it meant long journeys, upheaval of work and businesses. And he did it all because he wants to just know how many people he's ruling over. And so Joseph, he comes to Mary's door and he says, Mary, you, you know, get ready. Um, we're gonna, we have to go to Bethlehem. That's where my ancestors are from. And, and we've got to travel down there and you need to pack your bags. And I can imagine Mary, as she's thinking about this, as she's thinking, this is, you know, just, this is not just a short little trip. This is a journey that she's got to get ready for. And she's seven to eight months pregnant. Think about that. And as she begins to do that, she starts to ask God in prayer that night. I could just hear her saying, Lord God, God of our fathers, what are you doing? I thought you loved me. Is this how you treat people who love you? And I think Mary and Joseph left um, giving their hugs to their relatives that day. And as they left and went on that journey, it was probably a lonely journey where they wondered at times about what God was up to. What could he be doing? And then they get to Bethlehem. And here they're at Bethlehem. And, and, and the story tells us that she was great with child, which means she was really big, Right? She's probably maybe even close to eight months pregnant at that time as she comes in. And she, she comes into Bethlehem and she's, she's you know, full with this child. And the people of, uh, that come to greet her are the relatives of Joseph and they're excited. And, and they say, Mary, you look like you're ready to give birth any day. And you look so wonderful. And Mary kind of shyly, you know, humbly says, thank you. And, and then someone else says, one of the relatives, one of the ladies excited says, you know, we didn't even hear. Like, when did your kids get married? When was that? And uh, they're kind of hemming and hawing and, and Joseph and Mary and then Joseph kind of says, well, you know, um, we're pledged to be married. And, and you know, maybe some fa- their faces are red and they look into the eyes of some of their relatives and there's maybe a sense of judgment and a sense of like... And then Mary kind of says, well, oh, oh, it, it's not like what you think. This isn't Joseph's child, which, where do you go with that? And I'm sure, as they both prayed, they said, I thought you said, God, that you would bless us, and and I thought you told us that you would make our names great, and not only are we misunderstood, but we have people looking at us in judgment, and we feel so worthless, and we feel so alone, we feel so isolated, and we're so disconnected. And then, um, as they're in Bethlehem, <clears throat> and, and Joseph has found out that none of the relatives have a place for them to stay, right? Can you imagine the tension between Mary and Joseph mounting a little bit right now? And, and here's Mary, and Joseph goes out, and he checks a couple of the ends. He comes back, he says, Mary, bad news. There's no room in the inn. And in Mary's response at that point, I'm guessing, she loses a little bit, and she goes, Joseph, Nathaniel... 
I think she'd use the middle name, you know, when you get me angry, I don't know. But anyway, didn't you at least get a confirmation number? And, and they have to stay in this little place where animals are kept, which most moms who have that nesting kind of sense are not crazy about having their little one in one of those places with a bunch of unclean animals. And I'm sure at that point, they both kind of were in this little place and they were wondering, where are you, God? Do you care about us? Do we really matter to you? And they fell alone. Well, if you go back to the movie for a second, and those of you who may remember it, if you haven't, I'll just share it with you. In this story, there's an old guy who lives across the street, and he was shoveling the night before they left on their trip and left Kevin alone. And he's shoveling, and and, um, little Kevin's brother, Buzz, is talking to his cousin. He says, you know, the guy out there, and he starts telling the story about the guy out there. He says, this guy out there, you know, he's a serial killer, and he's known by the name the South Bend Shovel Slayer. Little Kevin's, he's so afraid. Now the family leaves, he's home alone. There's a bunch of stuff that happens. At one point, he ventures out, he's out walking around, and he comes face to face with the South Bend Shovel Slayer. And he is scared to death, and without a word, runs away. And then a little later, he's in a drugstore, and he's face to face, kind of cornered, and he doesn't know what he screams, and he runs away again. No conversation. It's Christmas Eve night, Little Kevin's lonely. He wants to, to be with some people, so he goes to the local church where he hears music, and he goes in, and they're sitting in the row down in front. Near the front is Old Man Marley, the South Bend Shovel Slayer. And he's kind of like wondering what's going on there. And, and Old Man Marley is there <clears throat> because his daughter, who he's been estranged from his son and the family, but he just wants to see his granddaughter. His granddaughter is practicing in her choir for the next day's Christmas Mass program. And he's sitting there, and once again, little Kevin gets kind of um, trapped in a situation where they get into a conversation. And, and they're in this conversation that he has um, with with this old guy. And uh, and the old guy, old guy Marley says, kid, because he, he, he kind of greeted him. This is the first time he's actually actually have a pleasant greeting. He goes, you can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. And old man Marley says, there's been a lot of bad information out there about me, but none of it's true. And he looks at little Kevin. He says, in fact, um, they talk this place, a church, is the place to be if you're feeling bad about yourself. And uh, this old guy, Kevin learns now, is not only um, a really good guy, but he finds out near the end of it that this guy has been, has been watching over him, has been looking after him, has seen him, and in fact, in the very end, actually saves him. And he finds out that this, this, the truth that you find in this movie is little Kevin hasn't been alone. He thought he was. He had all these thoughts going on. The truth is, you may be in that same place. And what's so cool about the Christmas story, the truth is you are not alone. I don't care whether you feel like, you don't feel like you deserve it, you don't feel like you matter. 
God sent Jesus at Christmas because there has been a lot of bad information about him. He loves you. You matter deeply to him. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to wonder if God cares. Jesus came to make it clear, crystal clear, that you are not alone. That's why he came from heaven to earth. In order to make it really clear that there has been someone watching over it. There is someone who sees you. There is someone you matter deeply to. It is the heart of your father, and it's the reason that he sent Jesus at Christmas time. It's the reason why we talk about the light coming to the world. The light is the light of understanding that this God deeply, deeply loves you. And you are immensely valuable to him, whether you feel like it or not. Whether you feel God cares about you or not, no matter how good or bad you've been, no matter how naughty or nice you are, no matter how much you feel like you don't deserve that love, it's not about you, it's about him and his love for you. So if you've been kind of looking at this, and I put it up here so you would, you kind of would say this is not worth a whole lot, it's uh, tattered, it looks really used. It's filled with holes. It's barely hanging together at all. And I think you would think it's not very valuable. And when you look at it, seriously, you got to think, what would you do with this little piece of fabric? I mean, if you threw it over one of your kids to say, keep yourself warm, you'd laugh. I mean, if you look at it, it's not even really good for a dish shock. It hardly dry a couple spoons. It, it wouldn't look real nice as a scarf. It, it, it. It's not even really um, a good thing to dust furniture with. In fact, it's not even a really good rag, right? I'm guessing if you saw this, you would probably pick it up and throw it in the trash somewhere. Because it doesn't look very valuable. But it's incredibly valuable to me. It's incredibly valuable to me because of who it belongs to. This little blanket is my daughter Kenzie's, what she calls affectionately, blankie. And, and she would hold this thing at night, as you can tell, when she was afraid. She must have been really afraid. Um, she would um, take it with her to places she'd go, and she had to ha- you know, she'd want it. And it's so valuable to her because it was so valuable to her. <clears throat> her love for it kind of goes way beyond reason. You kind of say, why do you even care about it? Well, you know, it would be, if, if we left it at my parents' house, we lived in Florida at the time, we would be coming back to Minneapolis, and if we found out we didn't have it, we would pay about any money it was necessary to get that thing flown back to us as soon as possible. Or if we left it someplace, we would travel an hour or a couple hours to go get it. I mean, life stopped in a sense. When that wasn't around. And we loved it. Not, not because it's really worth much of anything, right? We, we loved it because of the value it holds for us. Because of someone who loves it. And, and when you think about the Christmas story, you have to see the Christmas story this way. God loves you so much. You are so valuable to him. You may feel like this rag. You may feel as you come to this year that you don't matter to him or you're not worth much or he doesn't seem to care about you. And you may, you may think that's what you look like, but here's the Christmas story. 
God sent Jesus, his most loving son, to come to you who are broken. And he came and as he ministered, he ministered to people who didn't deserve that love, who had messed up their lives, who were really far from God. But in their heart, there was a desire to to want to know God. And so God left with his son, sent his son who left his home in heaven in order to say, I can make my home in your heart, not because you're valuable, because I value you and I love you. I just even like little kids, you may look at this and go, this is nothing. You are valuable and loved by God, no matter how you feel. Your value lies in his heart. There's a verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 20, where Peter, the apostle, makes this, this statement that Jesus didn't even pay for our lives with money. He says, for you know that your lives were ransom once and for all from that empty, from whatever way you may feel, as futile as you may feel about things in the life that's been handed down to you from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment, listen, of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but it's that eternal, that precious blood of Christ who like a spotless, unblemished land was sacrificed for us. That was God's plan. That's what Christmas is about. So this Christmas, I, I, I really want you to think this, e- this Christmas Eve, uh, as we light these candles, if you are in this place where you're saying, God, I really, um, I, I just, I really want you to birth in my heart your love and your light. I, I, I want you to make your home in my, in, in my heart, in my life. Um, as we light these candles, this, it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to do anything. It's not about how good you've been or how, how good you'll be or how good you want to be. It's all about his love for you, and he loves you so much that it's just like the light of a candle. He will light the flame of his love in your heart if you just ask him. He will give you that gift, and you can live with the understanding that no matter what is going on, this God loves you. And in the same way you light that candle, he will go ahead and he will light his spirit into your heart. So as it says in Isaiah forty nine fifteen, it says, can a mother forget the infant at her breast? Will she walk away from the baby she bore? Listen to what God says. Because even if a mother forgets, and there are people who feel that because their mothers have rejected them. He, he says, I'd never forget you, never. Look, I've written your names on the back of my hands. I will always, just kind of tattooed there, I will always, always see you in Christmas. Christmas is, is the truth. There's a lot of bad information out there, but the information that's true is that God came for you. And then as these kids read the rest of the story, it's all about glory. It's all about praise about a God who loves us. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this 
shall be a sign unto you. He shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the atonement covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he walk in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen.